You're listening to the Mayor Greg Fisher Podcast. I'm Graham Shelby. I work in the mayor's office. And in this episode, the mayor speaks one-on-one with Dr. Marty Polio, superintendent of Jefferson County Public Schools. They talk about Dr. Polio's career and his plans for JCPS. Dr. Polio has been educating Louisville students for 20 years as a teacher and administrator. He was the principal of Doss High School until last summer when the Jefferson County Board of Education made him interim superintendent. Dr. Polio got the job permanently in February. Let's listen in. Really pleased to be here with JCPS Superintendent Marty Polio today. And Superintendent Polio, JCPS has been uh, in the news a lot lately and some very encouraging things happening uh, for our city and for JCPS. But let's start way before then because I want our listeners to learn a little bit more about you and where JCPS is going. So to be an educator is a super dedication of time and life. So what made you want to become an educator? Well, thanks for having me, Mayor Fisher. Um, you know, it really started wanting to be a basketball coach. My dad was a basketball coach. My mom was a teacher. So it was definitely in the family. Um, and uh, I went to school wanting to be a basketball coach. And uh, as you can imagine, there's not a major in college for basketball coaching. Um, so really went to the School of Education thinking that I'll, I'll get that degree. If I'm not successful being a college coach, I can be a high school coach. Um, and found what I found was I loved the teaching aspect of coaching more than anything else, more than the games, um, more than winning, losing, anything like that. I loved the teaching aspect um, and really fell in love with teaching um, as a result of that and being a part of the school culture. Leadership was, I think, always in my genes. And so um, moving from uh, that instructional um, part of it where I love teaching, I also wanted to become a school leader. So it just kind of evolved from there. Well, you had an interesting, I guess, combination of both teaching and extracurricular activity and serving when you went to Indiana University and you were the student manager for some tremendous IU basketball teams that uh, Coach Bobby Knight was at the helm. Uh, tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, well, it was quite an experience. There is no doubt about it. I mean, if I'd said uh, I would I would be lying if I didn't say that um, this job well me being in college uh, 25 years ago uh, provided me the thick skin that is necessary to be a superintendent and so I didn't know that that was now that I reflect back I think it, it provided me that uh, toughness that I would need down the road um, and and he is high expectations and extremely demanding of excellence from players, from managers, which I was one of them, uh, to all staff that were around them. The expectations were extremely high. Um, And so I look back at that time and I took a lot of leadership lessons um, from Coach Knight. Um, I think the thing that I took away from Coach Knight in my time there um, more than anything was uh, he always focused on be great at something. And uh, really his systems around offense and defense and coaching were um, not extremely comp- complicated um, from um, you know, a perspective where there was a lot there. Um, so he was very simple. We are going to run two or three things on offense and on defense. Um, we're not trying to hide anything, but we are going to be great at those things and we are going to drill them every single day. We're not going to try to hide them from people. People are going to know exactly what we do, but we're just going to be better at those than anybody we play. Um, and so every time then, since then, whether it be coaching, being a principal or a superintendent, I've always taken that lesson that I want to be 
Um, I want everyone to know what we're going to be very good at, what we're going to focus on, and everyone in the organization is going to know that. And so that's probably the number one leadership thing I took away from my time at IU. Well, when I when we first met each other, it was probably 10 plus years ago when you were principal mm-hmm. out of Jaytown High School, and you could uh, sense excellence in the air. You could sense momentum in the air. And tell us a little bit about where Jaytown was when you started, uh, where it ended up, and kind of some major learnings along the way. Well, I learned uh, uh, being at Jaytown was really the foundation of my career as a as a school leader, and I went in. Um, and really learned a lot, first of all, about developing culture. And so people have told me a lot, heard me talk a lot about culture and climate in schools. Um, And I think there is nothing more important, and a lot of research right now is coming out to support that, that uh, school leaders that focus on positive culture have greater impact on school turnaround and achievement than those that don't. And really that goes back to my coaching days about taking a uh, group of people, really the the adults in a building, and ensuring that they are committed to the work, that they're inspired, that they have what we call a North Star, meaning they know why we're here, um, and and being really committed to a team aspect approach to the school. And so I developed that there. And then I really um, developed my belief around a career academy model at J-Town, really based in in, uh, student engagement, that every student senses has a sense of belonging to the school. Um, and so at J-Town, I found um, we had kids interested in engineering or welding or machine tool or ROTC or many of the other programs that were at the school. And I began to believe, how can we take those uh, programs or classes that students are so passionate about and make their, their day more about that instead of just one period And so I really became passionate about the Career Academy model, which has now evolved into the academies of Louisville district-wide, where we have 14 schools doing that. But at J-Town, I started that work um, and really wanted to find out how we can take a kid who might be passionate um, about Project Lead the Way engineering Mm -hmm. and make their math class more about it and their science class more about that and their English class more about that and really develop business partnerships, um, that business partnerships are coming in the school and making sure every kid completes a pathway so that they feel a sense of belonging to the school. And so that was the foundation, that and the culture work at J-Town were the foundation works of school turnaround there. Um, I was very proud of that when I got there. We had about 950 kids in the school, and we got up to where we had almost 1,500 kids wanting to go to J-Town. So Really proud of that work. Well, and it was phenomenal, and you, you built all that, and then I open up the paper one day and say that you've decided to take on the challenge at DOS to turn that high school around. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great act of leadership there where you built a tremendous model, yeah. ready to pass it to the next person, but go on and take another challenge. Yeah. Why, why did you do that? Well, um, in the time I was at J-Town, school turnaround became a um, really a buzzword in the education world and what we hear as priority schools or what some people call as failing schools. And DOS was a school that at the time was struggling um, and was, um, <clears throat> was uh, asked if I was interested in that. And what I wanted to do that I hadn't done at J-Town yet was, first of all, be able to develop a leadership team Um, and bring people with me that I thought was second to none, um, that uh, a group of school leaders that could impact a school. And I brought assistant principals with me um, and had four 
and three are currently principals, and I think one will soon be a principal. So it's just a leadership team that can impact the school. And then the second part of it is really a development on that Academies of Louisville model where um, I had yet to take it at J-Town wall-to-wall, but I really wanted to go to a school where we could say right off the bat, this is going to be a wall-to-wall model where every kid is going to be in a pathway, in a career academy. Their math, English, science, and social studies courses are going to be more like it. And we are going to have a serious and significant commitment to student engagement and to taking students who have struggled in school traditionally, come from very difficult backgrounds, and be very committed to engaging them in school. Um, and so I just wanted to, to try my hand at that work and be committed to the school turnaround process. Um, and just probably the most proud of anything I've done are the two years I had at DOS mm. and the way the culture changed in that building um, was um, very important to me. And I look back as uh, a significant achievement in my career. Did you know uh, at your time at J-10 and DOS that you were building the skills that one day you hoped to put to use as a superintendent? Uh, not necessarily. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I went and got my doctorate uh, at L while I was at J-Town. And then um, I saw this superintendent certification, and I was just a few classes away from getting that. And so I said, you know, why not? I'll go ahead and take those and get that. And I got that certification. Um, and, you know, I've always been a person who strives to increase the impact of their leadership and influence and more people and more schools and um, more kids and many times um, students in schools who need additional supports. Um, and I, I really did think that maybe one day I would be a superintendent somewhere, but uh, it was definitely a surprise to me to be thrown in and jump right into the superintendency here at Jefferson County. So it was definitely not something I was anticipating. Yeah. The key is to be prepared. That's right. Because <laughs> you never know when your That's number's exactly, going to be called. That's exactly right. Let's let's jump to the community a little bit. Uh, you know, our teams, the team at JCPS and Louisville Metro, and then the entire city right now is collaborating on an effort called Cradle to Career, where we want to wrap services around the child. We call it whole child services. So it's just not in school focus, but out of school focus on physical and mental health, social and emotional well-being, so that every child has a chance to reach their potential and, and progress through school. Uh, JCPS, under your leadership, has really leaned into this in a significant way. We're about ready to launch mm -hmm. Cradle to Career, Louisville Promise to the community. Tell us what you think uh, or how you think that's going to influence the community, and especially on the scholarship side, yeah, the Promise yeah. Scholarship. What's that mean to you as a superintendent? Well, I mean, and from, from two fronts of this work, Cradle to Career and Louisville Promise, um, on the one side of it, I know very intimately as principal and being in schools um, and now visiting elementary schools, um, the challenges that many of our students face um, and the needs that they have. Um, and I believe that a successful school district is one where the community, the entire community, wraps their arms around each other together to support students and provide them those services that they need because it is very difficult for a student to be successful um, if they have mental health needs, if they're hungry, um, if they haven't slept, if there's um, any type of abuse that might be in the household. And so the more as a community we can provide those supports to our children, 
the more successful we will be as a school district and eventually as a community. On the scholarship front, which is so promising um, for our students, I have seen so many times um, from students that graduate high school that any barrier that is in the way of a student being successful, especially a student who um, is at risk um, or in need, any barrier is going to be a challenge for them moving on to college. And so when we as a community can remove those barriers to success, um, then I believe our success rate of students going to college and being successful at college will skyrocket. And one of those, without a doubt, is that financial barrier that many students face. And so this scholarship, which is a guaranteed scholarship for every JCPS graduate, removes that barrier. Um, and then we can focus on other issues that we might need to do to support students. But just removing that enormous financial barrier, I think, will um, drastically improve success for students in college. Well, and that's our hope. I mean, the dream would be that, uh, let's say, a, a young mom in the community working two jobs, a couple kids, could say, you know, I live in a great city, a city that's surrounding my child with yeah. everything they need, both inside and outside the classroom. And as we get through high school, there's a chance for a two-year or four-year degree, and the community's going to help. Yeah. Say, that's a great city to live in. And I think once we make that even more known to parents and families and students um, from an early age, yeah. um, everyone will begin to say that um, college is, is attainable and I can be successful at it because this community is, is paying the bill for us if we need that. A big part of, the, of getting students ready, as we've talked about many times, are the transition points. You know, Are they ready yeah. to move on? And you've decided to uh, attack that through building a, a resume, if you will, through a backpack of success skills. Uh, new concept this yep. year, sounds very promising. Describe that. Sure, so um, our uh, board made a commitment um, in 2015 with our Vision 2020 around a concept of deeper learning, which I've always believed in. And essentially deeper learning means um, students um, really rolling up their sleeves in a classroom and having relevant experiences in the classroom that facilitate learning. A lot of research around shows what type of learning um, makes the most impact for students. And so when students are able to apply their learning to a real world setting, um, the learning becomes more ingrained for a student and we call that deeper learning. Um, but really where this came about was uh, my chief academic officer, Carmen Coleman and I, are committed to this type of work and what we want to make sure of is two things. First of all that every student has the reading and math skills that are necessary for them to be uh, ready for that next transition. So the, whether that's kindergarten ready, middle school ready, high school ready, or college ready, the foundation for all of our students has to be literacy and numeracy and we guarantee that a student is ready for that. And the second part of that which we have heard from our business partners so much, is making sure that students have what we call success skills, some call soft skills, some call employability skills, but those things that every student needs to be successful in the world. And that can be collaboration, the ability to communicate, innovation, persistence, being a good, compassionate citizen are the things that we have decided we want all of our students to have. And so when we put those together, the math, and the reading skills and those success skills, we call that our backpack. 
meaning what we want every student to graduate with, with their backpack full of skills. And then we work our way backwards to make sure that students from K through 12 are developing those skills to be successful. The um, innovative part of this that I think is going to be a national model is right now we have over 100,000 students that have a digital backpack that will be collecting evidence of their learning in each of these areas. Um, and we want every student as they go from fifth to sixth, eighth to ninth, and twelfth to college to stand up and defend their readiness. And so next spring we're going to have over 20,000 JCPS students defending their readiness with their actual learning experiences from their backpack to an authentic audience. Um, so we think it's going to be an innovative model, but in the end, the point is to guarantee that every student, when they finish JCPS, has the skills necessary to be ready for that next step in their life. Well, I think I can't think of anything more exciting than you can think about kids being scared to death to get up yep. there and defend, but the skills that they will build. That's right. The public speaking skills, preparing and executing yep. like that. I mean, that's how you build skill. You've got to right. practice. And you, if you're staying away from it your whole life, you're not going to be able to realize your that's potential. Exactly so right. kudos to you guys. Thank you. You, you mentioned compassion. Mm -hmm. uh, talk about the role of emotional intelligence in the Compassionate Schools Project. Sure. We've, uh, the Compassionate Schools Project has been transformative for many of our elementary school students. Um, so it's really been an opportunity in the elementary schools um, that are compassionate schools um, to really um, tap into what we have found and a lot of research has found that that emotional intelligence is just as important, if not more important than that IQ. Um, and so um, teaching students uh, how to be compassionate um, but also to do things like I will walk into a classroom in a compassionate school where once a week the students go to work with the teacher, that's the compassionate school teacher, um, and you will see students doing breathing exercise, talking about how to control their emotions, um, talking about how to interact with others and be empathetic um, of others in their school. Um, and what we found, the principals that um, are working in compassionate schools, that we feel that it's transformed the culture of their schools. Mm -hmm. And really teaching students, um, you know, how to work with their own emotions, how to learn and grow, and, and how to be compassionate and empathetic for all of the other students um, and citizens that, that are in their life. Um, and it's really transformed the culture of those schools. Yesterday I ran into a teacher at Guttermouth Elementary, mm -hmm. and I asked her if they were a compassionate school. She said, yes. I said, what do you think? She said, it's fantastic. I said, why? And she said, it's allowing us to teach kids and give them a tool that they did not have before. And the way that's then affected the classroom has made the classroom calmer, where the learning environment now yeah. is much greater. So it, I commend JCPS uh, for you all taking this on and keeping it on because some people look at stuff like this. They look at culture and climate and say, oh, that's soft. That's yeah. nice. I, I, those folks don't really get the fact that, you know, you got to have great culture. you got to have great climate or learning is not going right. to take place. And we see over and over, whether it's in school or a business, if you have a sense of belonging, and if you, if you feel like that organization cares for you, you're going to be successful. Yep. And the research shows that. This is not just um, this concept that we have decided to talk about. Um, uh, research out of the University of Chicago recently that, that studied turnaround in Chicago, those schools that specifically focus on culture and developing culture in their school, 
with not just staff. Staff is very important. Also students, which, um, which we talked about with compassionate schools, but also bringing parents into the school community and working with parents had much greater uh, student achievement improvements than those that did not have those focus um, and, and that focus, excuse me. So um, lots of research is showing that that culture work um, has um, a large academic impact for schools. And so we'll continue to do that work. What we are doing is defining for schools exactly what that looks like to improve your school culture um, and essentially a rubric for that work. Um, and that's long-term work that never ends, but yeah. it's so important um, for student learning is to make yeah. sure you have that foundation around culture. Yeah, these so-called soft skills that's right. we find are more difficult than the hard skills <laughs> That's sometimes. exactly right. Let's talk a little bit about uh, a challenge that most every school district has, and that's achievement gaps. Mm -hmm. uh, the difference in achievement between different demographics uh, in, in a city and how that plays out with JCPS's equity policy. Sure, so the first thing that I, I think is important to know um, is that um, in order to address an achievement gap, um, you first of all, as a district and each school and division has to acknowledge that it exists and that we're willing to examine policies, procedures, and practices that might, um, perpetuate those gaps. And so that's the first thing that we've had to do. And that's, that's what our equity policy has done to say, we have gaps, we have um, disproportionality, we are wanting to address those, and we are committed to doing that. Um, and that's difficult and challenging work because there's so many factors that have gone into that. But we have to be willing as an organization to also own the fact that a lot of our policies and practices and procedures have um, um, led to um, these the increase in these gaps. So um, we are working really hard right now that, that um, we're committed to reducing and eliminating those gaps. They really come around four areas that we look at, from achievement uh, to behavior disproportionality, attendance, um, and then finally, um, identification for gifted and talented or advanced placement. And when we dig into the data, we find that there's disproportionality in all four of these areas. Um, so it's incumbent on, upon us to say that we're not willing to accept that. We accept that challenge. Um, we are going to do anything we can, examine everything we do to make changes. We are only one of about a dozen districts nationally that have been willing to take this on. Hmm. Um, we've uh, developed an advisory council that I report to, that on a regular basis I will bring our progress, our data. We're essentially taking away the curtain and saying, here is the data. Um, here's where we have gaps. Every single school is also in that process right now and doing that. And the most important part of it is making a plan um, of how we're going to change that. So I'll give an example. Um, one being um, identification for gifted and talented. So we have disproportionality when it comes to gifted and talented. Not enough minority students are being identified for gifted and talented. And when you look at the practices nationally of how a student is identified for gifted and talented, it is usually one assessment, one data point that you must get this, a certain score on one assessment in order to be labeled as gifted and talented. And right off the bat, um, that produces an achievement gap. Instead of having a multitude of data points, 
and looking at other data points where we might truly have a picture of students who would not be identified as gifted and talented with one particular test. And so when you expand your data points to multiple data, um, you end up finding a much more inclusive student group for gifted and talented. So schools are having to do that. Yeah. District is having to do that. But when we do that, we reduce gaps. That's tough, hard work, but we're committed to changing the outcomes for our students. Well, and the other thing that we'll do is as we have that higher degree of diversity in gifted and talented, it makes that learning environment and that creative environment that much more powerful for the kids yep, within. Without it. a doubt. So we'll be a strong partner of yours on yep. this work. As you know, the city is leaning into any type of gaps, any type yep. of discrimination. When you go back into the history of our country, obviously with slavery being the prime example, yep. but then coming in to the 20th century with Jim Crow laws, with redlining, yep. so many of these things were put in place, or they all were put in place by government. So it's incumbent upon us now to say, how do we unwind these to make sure that every child has their full chance to succeed? So great job on, the, on the equity work there. Let's wrap up with just a couple questions. Sure. Uh, one is, uh, there's been a little news lately uh, over the last couple of months, and that's when uh, the State Board of Education said they were going to come in and take over JCPS. Uh, there was an outroar in the community amongst uh, many of us, including myself, saying that's not the best yeah. way to get real results here. Some people say, we need a takeover. And then when you ask them, well, what are you going to do? They had no idea what they were going to do. I'm glad that uh, cooler heads prevailed, uh, both on the state uh, with JCPS, with you, with the board, to say, let's identify those areas that we m most need to work on. Let's empower the most amount of people, yep. and that takeover was not going to do that, and then get working on these audit results. So just describe to us how that process went through. It was, it, it was sure. an interesting thing to navigate yeah. Yeah. and how it all ended up. Sure. I mean, it was a very difficult uh, process and difficult time. I mean, um, without a doubt, we would consider the biggest crisis that the district has faced since probably the mid-70s. Um, and so, you know, we it's been difficult to navigate over uh, really the past year as we've gone through this process. Um, you know, we have a, a board, um, seven board members who are truly committed to students. Every single one of them um, are truly committed to the success of our student, students and are doing it for that reason. Um, and these were just not easy decisions to make. And so there was a lot of debate, healthy debate um, and discussion amongst our board members about how we should move forward. Um, for me, the most important components of anything that we did first and foremost was to retain local control. Um, and our board to retain their ability and authority um, was just something that I thought was a non-negotiable, um, and I'm happy that we were able to do that. Um, second of all was for us to have the time to make the changes um, that we needed to make in order to be successful. So these big initiatives that we're working on, the Backpack and Racial Equity and Academies of Louisville, are, are deep um, you know, issues that take time. You know, we don't have the, the luxury of, of moving slowly, but we definitely need time to make sure that they're successful. Um, and that was an important part for me to make sure that we could do that, too. And so um, in the end, um, you know, we, we found a middle ground that we could work with that, that definitely retained local control for our Board of Education and gave us some time to do the work. Um, and I believe in the end, in two years from now, when we have an audit in uh, the fall of 2020, I'm very confident that the state will see a different district 
than they saw when they came in in 2017. Well, I think the community avoided a two-year, three-year legal yep. battle that would have really taken the focus off the kids. It's just hard to do both. Yep. So thank you for navigating us through those troubled waters there. So let's end just uh, – we got audit results. We got a community-wide goal for JCPS to be the best large public urban yep. school district in the country. How can people help? Well, I'll say this. I mean, um, you know, we are um, right now um, at a time when – Externally, there has been, as you said, you know, this crisis situation going on. I will say this, in my 21 years, I'm now in my 22nd year in JCPS, I have yet to see a time when our JCPS community has been so inspired, passionate, and galvanized together to want to be successful. And you walk in every single school, um, there is just a, uh, a feeling about the school uh, of in the air that has never been present before. Um, we have initiatives that um, our school teams are really grasping onto um, that are just um, um, inspirational to be a part of. And so I can't wait to see them be successful. And so, you know, um, I would say this, you know, that uh, the community, first of all, give us the opportunity to be successful. Um, I think they're going to see um, – a very different school district as we move forward. I think, you know, I think all too often we don't celebrate the great things that are happening in JCPS, and we do have great things happening. So celebrate with us on those. Um, give us that opportunity to let these initiatives take hold. They're going to be very successful. Um, you know, parents, I believe, get involved in this backpack work with us. Um, know what's in your student's backpack. Know that they are transition ready. Um, interact with your school and make sure that your child is successful. We're working hard for our schools to be partners with our parents, um, business partners and community members. Great opportunities are coming to partner with our schools, whether it be businesses um, or volunteer opportunities to partner with our schools. Um, and, and we're going to try to get as many people as we can to be authentic partners with our schools, mentor students, um, be a part of the academies of Louisville. Um, and finally, I would say, you know, it's very easy. Um, JCPS has been a punching bag in recent years. And I would say support us, work with us. I am confident, and I've said this many times, that our 60 Minutes moment is coming where we are going to be highlighted for the great work that we are doing in this district. Um, and so um, we would like everybody to partner with us and give us that opportunity to be successful. We talk about equity in our school system. You have two dynamic yep. new schools opening up this year. Tell us a little bit about those. Sure. Uh, and those were uh, very challenging to make both of them go. Um, the first one was the W.E.B. Du Bois Academy, um, which was a school that um, uh, really was focused on, on African-American males, but not exclusively for Af African-American males. There is definitely an Afrocentric uh, focus in the curriculum. Um, there is a focus on leadership of, of students. Um, and we opened that school um, this year, uh, two weeks ago yesterday, uh, with 157 young men who show up every single day with a blazer and a tie on. They focus on leadership. Um, they focus on academic success. And um, I have been very inspired. I was there on opening day and actually stopped by two days ago to see the work that is taking place. There's four other schools like this across America. Um, in uh, two short years, we're going to have nearly 500 students in the school and with the possibility of expanding it through 9 through 12. So um, just great things happening at that school. 
And then we opened up our ESL Newcomer Academy. That has grown exponentially over the past decade. Um, and uh, this school focuses on um, students that uh, English language learners who are new to our community and to our country um, and working to enhance their skills so that we can move them um, into one of our reside schools. Um, and over the past several years, they've been split all across the county. And so really satellite locations throughout the county in four or five different locations. What it's forced us to do is to um, our supports for these children have been split as well. We finally were able to bring them into one school um, where we can bring all of our supports, our counseling work, um, and um, all the supports that the students might need into one location and to have the opportunity to open up that school on day one um, and for these young men and women and the staff to have their own school. You could see the pride in their faces and the, the work that they're doing um, with these students is, is also inspirational. So two great schools opened up on the first day of school. All this sounds great. So if somebody wants to step up and say, I'm ready to help JCPS, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, definitely. They can, um, uh, I'll say this, they, they can check our website for the opportunities on the website or call 313-HELP. Once again, 313-HELP is the number that uh, anybody can call or please give me, shoot me an email um, marty.polio, P-O-L-L-I-O, at jefferson.kyschools.us. Um, and we will definitely make sure that they get to the, to the right school and the right opportunity uh, to volunteer. All right, folks, you heard it here. It's easy to be a critic from the couch. It's time for everybody to get up, say, how can I help our kids? Let's make them succeed by all means. Jump in with us. That's Mayor Fisher and Dr. Marty Polio, the superintendent of Jefferson County Public Schools. You can find out more about what Mayor Fisher is doing by following him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and more. Our producer is Joe Lord. I'm Graham Shelby. Thanks for listening to the Mayor Greg Fisher Podcast.